0: All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled women in the ring. to another set another episode of the two minute round your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world this is number 37 my name is felipe leon your co-host and with me like always david avila david avila how are you doing
1: very good felipe how are you
0: good thank you here we are another night of phil boxing talk on our podcast here the two minute round if you would like to give us a call And chat with us. You can do so at 323-580-5735, 323-580-5735. And in about 15 minutes, we're going to have a very special guest, the undefeated Sulem Urbina, Mexican Olympic team member, and now a professional undefeated in six fights. But she is going to be making somewhat of a historic fight. Um, Is it a historic fight, David? Have you seen this before? I mean, I'm sure there's been... But ha- or maybe not. Is this the first time that two Mexican fighters face each other off in Las Vegas, Nevada? Female fighters? Uh, no, it's
1: not the first time two Mexicans. Oh, well, from Mexico, yes.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, from we actually, had Mexican American, perhaps. Mexico, yes. and, but yes. two straight from. I mean, she was born in Hermosillo, Sonora, and her opponent, Sonia Osorio, is from Mexico City. So it might be the first time that two. Mexican-born female fighters are going to face each other in Las Vegas.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think that is uh, correct.
0: So there you go. Um, um, She's going to be calling in about 15 minutes, and obviously we're going to go over all your fight results and your uh, uh, upcoming uh, fight calendar, and then also we have some fight chatter here on the two-minute round. Again, if you'd like to give us a call, it's 323 Five eight zero five seven three five. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus just because of some scheduling conflicts. Um, we weren't able to do this show every other Thursday like we uh, we've always done it. But we're back again to give you about ninety minutes of female fight talk. And also, our next show, which is going to be the last one of the year, is going to be December twenty first, and that is when we we'll probably be having our end of the year. Uh, talk, you know, the best fights, fighter of the year, promoter of the year, and all that, like just like we did last year. So, let's get started with the fight results. Starting off from Friday, November tenth, from the Korakuen Hall in Tokyo, Japan. Naoko Shibata uh, actually was a little bit surprised and, and lost the unanimous decision by uh, uh, defeated by a Tsuko Tada in an eight rounder at 105 pounds. The scores there were 80-72. 78-74 and 77-75, these two fighters, obviously a national Japanese female fight, but both of these fighters have fought outside of, the, of Japan, that's why it was a little bit interesting. I thought maybe the favorite would be Shibata, but Itsuko Tara, a veteran in her own right, was able to pull it off and score the unanimous decision in the eight-rounder. Also, on Saturday, November 20, November 11th, in Belgium, Delphine Persoon, who we thought and at a, at a point had mentioned that she might be having to retire because of some hand injury, but it looks like it all worked out for her because she scored a unanimous decision defending her WBC lightweight title, Miriam DeLal, in a 10-rounder. Obviously, the scores there were a dominated 190 and 99-91 two times. David Pursun, you know, she's a little bit, I think she's in her mid-30s, if not, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Um, and Katie Taylor, obviously, is in her mid-30s as well, but somewhat fresher, do you think that Katie Taylor at some point will be ready for Pursoon next year?
1: Uh, I think that her next fight is a really good test against uh, uh, McCaskill. And uh, was, a lot of people are, are just overlooking McCaskill, but she's actually pretty good. Um, if she passes her, then she's definitely ready for Delphine uh you know, in Katie Taylor.
0: Now, the lightweight champions are WBA WBAK Taylor, WBC Delphine Persoon, the IBF is Victoria Noelia Bustos of Argentina, and the WBO is another, also another Argentinian, Joana Belen Alfonso. And also, we can't forget about, you know, um, the, a fighter that we're going to be seeing this weekend as well. We'll talk about that in the calendar, but Micaela Mayer, who's also, you know, has hinted, and even in our show, a couple, of, maybe about a month ago when we had her on, mentioned that she's really going to be pursuing a world title in 2018. So we can't forget about her. So that that uh, division can uh, heat up in any second with, with Katie Taylor, like you mentioned, fighting uh, McCaskill and then Jofu the and back in the picture.
1: Yeah, that's a good division.
0: Now in France, on the same night, on Saturday, uh, on Saturday, uh, November 11th, uh, Maiva Hamadou scored a fourth-round TKO over Milena Koleva in a scheduled six-rounder at 130 pounds. And this Hamadou is a, a spitfire, David. I watched this fight, and yeah. he was just relentless. I mean, Koleva wasn't that bad of a fighter. I mean, she scored. She had her moments where she scored some really good right hands, but it's like she was tickling Hamadou. I mean, Hamadou, there was no. Stop! There was there was no stopping her, and she just completely overwhelmed it.
1: She's a big hitter too.
0: Yeah, she looked great, and and that's another. She's at 130 pounds, so you know you know these 126 pounders can go up to 130. Maybe see her there, or she could go after the 100, other 130 pounders, which we'll go over, and in a little bit. She's the IBF champion, as far as I can see, Myra Hamadouche, But this fight wasn't a title fight, so. Uh, because it was only a six-rounder, so uh, I don't know what happened there, why she wasn't able to defend her title. Um, also on the same night, November 11th, in Pato, Mexico, Profesores del Pueblo gave us on Televisa here in Mexico in the main event. Mariana Juarez going a six-round TKO over Alicia Graff in a scheduled 10-rounder. Juarez defended her WBC 118-pound t- title, uh, official time where it was 24 seconds, and, uh, and quite honestly, David, Juarez looked really good. I mean, Alicia Graf didn't really bring much to the table, but you can see that Juarez is really settling on that weight. She looked quick. She had great reflexes. She was feigning. She was throwing combinations. So it looks like she's really settling in that weight, and and it's too bad that Juarez. I mean, we could probably have her for a while longer, but it, but I mean, she is you know what is he? 36, 37 years old?
1: 37. 37.
0: Yeah, 37. And she's really coming into her own as a fighter. I mean, I really like what I saw that day, that night on November 11th. Uh, it's just a, a kind of a shame that she's getting a little bit older. And I mean, how much longer do we expect for uh, Mariana Juarez to be in the game?
1: She's been calling uh, some her old trainer in California, and it looks like she wants to fight uh, Jaginava next mm-hmm. summer.
0: That looks like a like plan. Okay, well, we'll, we'll, go in, we'll get into a little bit on fight chatter because I do have some news uh, regarding that. But uh, on Thursday, November 16th, uh, from the Polyforum Benito Juarez in Cancun, Mexico, Golden Boy Promotions gave us an ESPN. This fight I don't think it was, it was televised on ESPN, but it was uh, televised locally in Cancun. Marisela Cornejo taking a split decision in a six-rounder over Iraís Hernandez. 68 pounds, And I watched this fight as well, David. I think you did as well. And Cornejo was really having trouble with Hernandez's style. I mean, Hernandez was a little bit shorter than her and was able to really work the inside uh, uh, territory and was really scoring a lot of punches. I mean, this fight could have gone either way. Cornejo got the split decision, but it was a close, close fight.
1: Uh, it was a close fight. Uh, it seemed like when Cornejo uh, fought at a distance and used a jab. And fought upright, she won uh, the rounds kind of kind of clearly. But when she let the girl fight inside, you're right. The other girl had the advantage and knew how to do it. And and Maricela seemed a little uh, uh, not overmatched, but had more problems. She was better when she fought straight up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, but Hernandez was able to get in the inside on the inside of her. Now, granted, Maricela Cornejo is a super a super middleweight. And she would probably be facing other middleweights that are going to be as tall as her, if not a little, a little bit taller. So maybe she wouldn't have to deal with that much in her upcoming fight with a shorter fighter that's going to be able to work her waist and get on the inside. But, you know, that's maybe something, maybe this taught her a lesson where she needs to work on that because Hernandez was having a lot of success in that uh, at, at the short range in the fight. Now, moving on, to Saturday, November 18th from South Korea. Hyun Mi Choi got a technical decision over Jessica Gonzalez from Mexico and a 10-rounder. Mi Choi was defending her 130-pound WBA title. It was an unintentional headbutt that opened up a huge gash on the forehead of Gonzalez and she couldn't continue in the six rounds. They went to the scorecards and the scores were 59-56 two times and 56-56. And that that draw... I think it was a little bit generous towards the Mexican fighter because, you know, I, th- I, th- I thought I watched the fight and Me Choi to me, scored the better punches. She was a lot more fluid and it was a really herky jerky fight, David. You know, there was a lot of clinching. There was a lot of falling over each other, but to me, Me Choi looked the better of the two. And I kind of want to see more of her. I like, I kind of, I really like her style at super, uh, at super featherweight. She is the, uh, uh, she's the uh, WBA champion, undefeated in Team one draw, only four knockouts, but she is undefeated. The WBC champion is Eva Wallstrom. The IBF is the aforementioned Myra, Myra Hamadoush. And in the W.O., we actually have two champs. We have Ramona Kuini from Germany, and then we have Ewa Bronnika, who is the interim champion from Poland. So it's a pretty good division. I liked what Heemin Choi brought to the table. I kind of want to see more of her, and I probably I kind of want to see her against a fighter that is going to let her kind of like develop her, her style a little bit inside the ring.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. agree.
0: Alrighty, so on Saturday, November the eighteenth, that was the fight from South Korea, from the Pioneer Event Center in Lancaster, California. Estrada, uh, Estrada Roman Promotions brought us Paola Estrada, You scored in a unanimous decision over at Araceli Palacios in the 6th rounder at Flyway, Scores there were 60-54 and 59-55. And that was Estrada's first fight in quite a while. I've actually spoken to her and to her father and trainer, Herbie Estrada. And even though she had a, a pretty extensive amateur career, kind of broken up by um, a, a big layoff where she didn't know if she wanted to fight or not, she, her last fight was in March. This last fight was November, so that's about... Uh, eight months in between, and uh, you know one thing that her dad mentioned, even though he's her trainer, promoter, and uh, uh, father, he's like he doesn't want her to fight. Like he told me, if I had my choice, I wouldn't let her fight because she has a good job, she has a government job, and and, and she has a good job, and he'd rather have not not have her fight. But you know she wants to fight now. I don't know why the long hiatus between the, her last fight and this one, but. I don't know if that has something to do with it, as far as her taking such a big break in, in fights, going uh, eight months in between fights. To see if we if we see a little bit more ac- more activity from her um, coming up. Next, she's six and zero with zero knockouts, uh, and she was fighting not that regularly, but more regularly than now. And, and let's see if we see more of her in 2018. And lastly, for sure. Saturday, November 18th. Oh uh, yeah. And lastly, for Saturday, November 18th, from Ciudad Obregón, Mexico, Sanford Promotions gave us on Azteca and Bean Sports. Kenny Enriquez, the interim WBC light flyweight champion, scoring a unanimous decision over Jessica Neri Platas. Scores there were 97-93, 97-92, and 96-93. Neri went down in the tenth round. David, you have any thoughts on this fight?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, it was it was one of those fights where. Both goes are heading in the same, same direction. direction. Both very good, both very and good. you found out and who was the better fighter. I think the difference is power. I
2: mm-hmm. think the
1: difference is really power. Uh, Kenya just seems to be the strongest at that weight class.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see if uh, if uh, sometime next year she gets to uh, challenge for the full-fledged title against the current WBC Live Flyweight Champion, Esmeralda La Joya Moreno.
1: Yeah, got will be something.
0: Okay. So on Tuesday, November the 21st, from Shuso Sports Center in China, Casey Morton uh, from the Bay Area here in California traveled all the way to China to stop uh, via a first-round technical knockout. Duarang Pak Nang in an eight-rounder. Uh, in the 150-pound uh, division. The score at uh, the time when it was uh, 150 is not the first time that Casey morning travels outside the country. She's actually fought in Tijuana once. She's fought in the Philippines and now she has stamped her passport in China. On Saturday, November the 25th, from Tlaplan, Mexico, Sanford Promotions gave us again on the Azteca and Bean Sports another female main event with the uh, WBA strawweight champion Anabel Ortiz scoring a unanimous decision over Esmeralda Torres in a scheduled 10-rounder. This fight was at light flyweight, which is 108 pounds. It was a non-title affair for Ortiz. She was not defending her title, and the scores there were 100 to 90 and 99-91 two times, whereas the same night in Chetumal, Mexico, Profesores del Pueblo, que San Televisa, the current WBT heavyweight champion, Uh, Alejandra Jimenez also scoring a first-round TKO over the overmatched Maria Jose Vélez in a scheduled eight-rounder at heavyweight. The time there was 145. So for the second time, I believe, in her heavyweight reign, Alejandra Jimenez has actually fought in a non-title fight. She won the title against Marta Salazar back in March 18th of 2016 via majority decision. She defended it against Carlette Ewell in her first fight after that, scoring a first-round TKO. And then her next fight, which was in June of this year, she actually was in a non-title affair against Marta Patricia Lara Gaitan, scoring a second-round TKO. And then she defended, it, defended the title against Canadian Vanessa LePage uh, scoring a third-round TKO, and now she gets to fight again in a non-title affair against Maria Veli. So it's kind of interesting that uh, the WBC is allowing her to do non-title fights. I thought the rule was that, that once you became a champion, all your fights after that had to be world-title fights. I know in the past, David, and you know more, you know this more than more than I do. Like in the 70s and in the 80s, world champions were allowed to have non-title fights in between just to keep busy. But I, but I think that with, you know, I guess with time and rules changing and stuff, that has changed. So what do you, what do you think is the reason or how do you see that, that going on?
1: Well, well, I think with the men, they, they, they do have to defend it. But with the women, I think they allow it because they, they know, it's, because so they know it's so hard for them to get fights. Them. A mm. and, and a lot of times the promoters don't want to pay that full amount to put on a female show, and because of that, the, the title won't be at stake. And it's just a simple fact of a, a another reason that women boxing has so much trouble getting noticed because uh, promoters aren't just willing to, to put up the
0: money. I agree, and, and and also after she beat Salazar for the title, she actually was on the bench for about a year. She beat her in March of 2016. And then didn't come back until April of 2017. So now her promoter, which is Cancun Boxing, Pepe Gomez, in in connection with Golden Boy, is giving her some, some work. You know, she's defended the title twice, and she's fought on two non-title fights. So she's getting some work in there. Now, the non-title affairs, and even the title affairs, have been very quick fights. Actually, in her last four fights, she's gone uh, three, six, seven rounds. So Hopefully, in her next fight, which should be a title fight in ne- next year, be against someone of a contender.
1: Yeah, they got to go to New Zealand. There's a lot of heavyweight females over there.
0: And she's a she's a full-fledged uh, heavyweight. I mean, she's weighing in two thirty, 230, two thirty-six. Actually, in her last fight, she actually dropped to two sixteen. But she's a full-fledged, full-fledged um, uh, heavyweight. So. So it's not like, I mean, you bring up somebody from 180, 190, she's still going to have the advantage inside.
1: Yeah, that's pretty heavy. That's unusual.
0: Yeah. Folks, you're listening to the two-minute round. your hooks and jazz look at the female boxing world. We're waiting for Sulem Urbina, our special guest, to call in so we can talk to her. About, to her. She is going to be fighting this Saturday night on that big uh, K2 promotion, Sanford Promociones del Pueblo fight card. Which is being headlined by Orlando City Salido facing Mickey Roman in a scheduled 10 rounder on HBO. Sulem Orbina is going to be on that five card in a six rounder at Flyweight against Sonia Osorio. Much more experienced Sonia Osorio. A tough fight for Sulem Urbina. I think this is going to be a, a make it or break it fight in her early career here at 6 and 0 with one knockout. So we're waiting for her to call in so we could have 15 20 minutes with her. Obviously, we don't want to take too much of her time since she is getting ready to weigh in tomorrow and the rest of her weekend. Uh, but we are waiting for Suleiman Urbina to give us a quick call so we can speak to her. This is a two-minute round, your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world. This is uh, our episode number 37. If you would like to give us a call, it's 323-580-5735 so we can discuss female boxing. Moving on with the results. On Friday, December 1st, in Tokyo, Japan, uh, Naoko Fuyoka considered the best Japanese female fighter that's ever lived, scored her fifth world title in as many divisions, tying the only other female fighter that's ever done it, which is Amanda Serrano, with a unanimous decision over Costa Rican Yocasta Valle in a 10-rounder for the vacant WBO 108 title. Scores there were 99-91, 98-92, and I think a much more realistic 96 94 with what really happened inside the ring. David, what other world titles do you know? If not I can look it up. Puyoka, what other uh, and what other weight classes has she won title at?
1: She won it at the strawweight and she won it at the flyweight and at the super fly at the bantam. This was her, her fifth one at light flyweight.
0: Wow. So she's gone anywhere from strawweight all the way to Bantamweight, winning titles in each one of those divisions.
1: Yes, yes, and well, she actually said that it's she felt her best at this weight, so she's going to stick around at this weight at 108.
0: She won the WBC uh, female strawweight title, 105 pounds, in um, 2011 with, uh, with a with TKO over Anabel Ortiz, who is the current WBA. World champion. Then she defended it uh, a couple of times. Actually, no, she defended it. Yeah, a couple of times. And then she won the WBA super flyweight title in 2013 with the unanimous decision over Naoko Yamaguchi. She defended that until she lost it to Suzy Kentian in Germany in 2014. Then she won the WBO bantamweight title in 2015 with the unanimous decision over he Jung Ju, which sounds uh, Korean to me. She defended that title, and then she challenged for the uh, WBC flyweight title in Mexico against Jessica Chavez, but lost that fight via unanimous decision back in 2016. And then earlier this year, she captured the vacant WBA female flyweight title against Isabel Millan, and uh, with the ten round TKO. And then their last fight, which was last Friday, she scored a unanimous decision over Yocasta Valle, previously undefeated Yocasta Valle um, for the WBO 108-pound title. Uh, Yocasta Valle, like we were talking about uh, before we went on the air, David, you know, from Costa Rica, undefeated in 13 fights, six knockouts. But this was somewhat of a, of a step up in her um, in her career. Looking at her record, and obviously the, the records coming down from South America are, mm, you know, they're not as accurate as best, but if we go by what we're looking at, before facing Naoko Fuyoka, she had only faced a fighter with a reigning rec- record once in her career, which was Ana Victoria Polo back in December 2016 when they fought. She was 6-1. Polo was and Valle beat her via split decision in Costa Rica, and now she stepped up to one of the best fighters in the world and the Japanese best considered best female fighter in the world, and she didn't look half bad doing it, David. You know, we were talking about this. She gave a great performance, but I think that Fuyoka's experience kind of just gave her a little bit more of the edge.
1: Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, that's what she said uh, after after the fight. Vaya uh, said there was an experience factor that uh, gave uh, Naoko the edge. But they have a rematch clause, and um, they're gonna, they're selecting a place to fight. It, it could be in Costa Rica, but both kind of like the fact about fighting in the United States. So if they can fight, find a promoter to put it on in the United States, they'll both agree to that.
0: Huh. Now, what was the, if you know, what were the details of the rematch? I mean, usually in these kind of fights, especially when it's a vacant title, you know, there's no need to have a rematch, but why, did, why would they agree to it, or who, who asked for the rematch?
1: Well, I think uh, it was the Costa Ricans that asked for it, because they knew going to Japan, the odds of them getting a decision were pretty bad, unless mm-hmm. she knocked out Nioko, which is not, not going to happen. So that's why they agreed to the fight and Naokio agreed to the rematch.
0: Mm, okay. So it makes sense and it was fair for them to do that. So now is it an immediate rematch or do they have to let a fight go on before or, or what do you know that?
1: I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about whether or not it's an immediate re- rematch. But I know that if a fight can be done in the US, I think both would agree to it.
0: Hmm. Okay, well we'll see if that if that happens. I mean it'll be interesting to see a rematch, and obviously it would be very interesting to see it in the U.S. Also uh, now moving on Saturday, December second in Germany, Tina Ruperkret, scoring anam decision, somewhat of a somewhat of an upset there against Anne Sophie DaCosta Costa in a ten rounder for the interim WBC minimum weight title. No scores have been announced. I haven't seen the scores, but you would expect Anne Sophie Da Costa a lot more experienced fighter, although it was in the hometown of the winner, but t- uh, tiny Tina, like they call the German fighter, Tina Rupikret, uh 7-0 with three knockouts and facing Anna and Sofia da Costa, who at that time was 24 wins, three losses, and 11 knockouts, but the fighter with the less fights actually pulled out the win. It was in Germany, but, you know, you kind of expect the one with a, with a little bit more experience to be able to pull it off. But Tina Rupicret ended up uh, scoring the interim WBC f- female 105-pound title. So we'll see if she gets to challenge for the full-fledged title. The champion there is a Japanese fighter by the name of Yuko Kuroki, who's 17-4, one draw, eight knockouts. And now Tina Rupicret is the uh, interim WBC champion, uh, with 7-0, no, three knockouts. And lastly, in the uh, – well, actually not lastly, but almost in, in the end of the results, uh, from Naomi, Kenya, Fatuma Sarika, defended in her WBC 122-pound title with a unanimous decision over former champion Catherine Fidi. Catherine Fidi was the Bantamweight champion, but was defeated by Mariana Juarez earlier this year, I believe, David, was it? Yes, yeah. like It was earlier yeah. this in year that – yeah, in April. So now Catherine Fidi has moved up to the 122-pound title and, and challenged for that title, but came up short via unanimous decision against the world champion Fatuma Sarica. And lastly, from Guadalajara, Mexico, Sanford Promotions on the second channel, gave us Montserrat La Raya Alarcon, scoring a unanimous decision against Yesenia Martinez-Castrejon in a 10-rounder at light flyweight. No scores. I was not able to find the scores. But Montserrat Larcon is the current WBO uh, flyweight champion, but this was not a, uh, a title uh, fight. Actually, Montserrat Larcon considers herself a strawweight, and she only moved up to a flyweight because she was given the opportunity to go to Japan and challenge the then-champion, uh, give me one second here, it's a Japanese fighter by the name of Nana Yoshikawa, beat her via, via technical decision, and then had not defended the title. They gave her this non-title affair, and they ended up doing it a light flyweight, but she is the flyweight champion. She won a, a unanimous decision against Yesenia Martinez-Castrajón, uh, and then we will see when she will be defending that WBO world title, uh, uh, and hold on I'm, um, we're talking to Sulema Rubina right here she's going to be dialing in any second now uh, so we'll see and that's one thing that we've noticed on the social media David on, on Twitter and stuff like that with other accounts that follow uh, female boxing that they do have somewhat of a bone to pick with the WBO because they don't have ratings we don't know who's on the list we don't know who the mandatory <laughs> challengers are we don't know who's ranked who and where and these fighters, they get very long leeways of when they need to defend their title next. You know, Castrejón won the title back in April. Here we are in, in December, and she has not defended her title just yet, you know. And, and uh, you know, let me go uh, – actually, let's, let's patch in Suleim Urbina, who's calling in right now, and then I want to uh, do an, uh, an exercise with you, David, after this call. So let's patch in Ms. Sulem Urbina. In here. It's taking a little while to take the call. Let's see here. One second. Block oh, talk. It's taking a second to take the call. Let me see if I can get it a call again. Let's see here. There you go. So, let is that you?
2: Yes, Yes. Hi, oh. how are you?
0: Hello. Yes. And with us now, folks, let me just give you a formal introduction right here. With us now is the undefeated flyweight uh, fighter under the Stanford uh, Promotions banner, Sulem Urbina, former Mexican Olympic team member, and now special guest here on your two-minute round, your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world. Sulem, thank you for being with us. I know that you're very short on time. You are in Las Vegas for your upcoming fight this Saturday night against Sonia Osorio on the undercard of Orlando City Salido against Miguel Roman. So I'm going to pass the baton to my co-host, David Avila, to start off with the questions and then I'll finish it off. Thank you, Sulem. Thank, thank, you. thank you very much for
1: calling you Very good, very good. No, how are you? Thank you guys
2: for having me. I, I'm doing well. I'm doing well today. We had a press conference and been doing interviews um all day and just trying to get uh get out there you know and um, keep Salido Roman on the map. So, so what's the experience
1: been like? Is it is it familiar or is it different from your your promotional uh, uh, deals in Mexico?
2: Well, um, it, when I fight in in Mexico on the San cards, um. Uh, Obviously this is this is a, a a bigger card. This is the biggest card that I've ever been on. Uh sometimes when I'm on the cards in Mexico, I'm usually on the co-main event or the main event. And um oh, okay. here I'm a little fish in a big pond, you know. So it's it's a big difference. But um it only motivates me to want to work my way up there, you know.
1: Yeah, I saw you on the social media and Instagram and and uh i also saw that you were uh, you took a picture with cecilia breakers
2: yeah I, I had the uh the i was very happy that i had the opportunity to meet her she was there on the champ she's she's very humble and she took the time to to speak with me and uh she actually she'll be there uh watching the only female card on uh, female fight on this card and um i'm excited to for her to be amongst the crowd uh, cheering me on.
1: Yeah, that's amazing that uh, that she came all the way over from Norway, and um, I hear they're trying to make a fight with her and Leila McCarter, and uh, and everybody seems to be doing their part to to try and push women's boxing to the forefront. And you you too are, are one of the the fighters that are you know pushing that envelope. Um, do you feel a special responsibility uh, to to do that?
2: I think that um, when uh, us women feel entitled to certain things, we forget to to put in the work. I think that we have to put in the work, keep on grinding, uh, keep promoting ourselves, speaking up, um, staying out there because not nobody's really gonna pay attention to us. It's it's once we feel entitled that really doesn't benefit us. It hurts us. Um, so I feel that I have to. You know, in some obviously I'm looking out for myself trying to get out there, but in a way, hopefully I open doors for younger gen- generations that um, decide to step into the pros, and, and women's boxing can definitely go a lot from that. And you were
1: telling me earlier that, uh, well, through email, that this is going to be the first time that your parents actually see you perform as a professional.
2: Uh, yes, I um I moved to the United States when I was uh, five years old, and I'm I'm born in Hermosillo, Sonora, and so uh, my whole life I've always struggled with being undocumented, uh, all my family and I, and it's it's been a difficult road. Um, fortunate enough, I am uh, legally documented now, but um it's it's still difficult for my family. Most of my pro fights have been in Mexico. And um, they haven't been able to see me fight as a pro, even in the amateurs. The last time they saw me fight was in 2013, so it's been quite some time since they've seen me fight in person. And I, it's it's another motivation that I have that that my brother, my mother, and brother will be here with me, cheering me on. Have
1: you been talking to them since you arrived in Vegas?
0: Um,
2: my brother actually he he tagged along with me. Uh, he came with me. He's he's having a good time. He's enjoying seeing everything for the first time. And, uh, and my mother will be getting here tomorrow, so I I feel excited to have her here and and see her have her see what I do in person. What
1: was the first thing you did when you arrived in Las Vegas? Aside from you know checking in. I'm sorry, what, what was what that? Was the first thing, what was the first thing you did when you arrived in Las Vegas? With your with your trainer or
2: husband? Did you arrive together? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, my husband and I we we drove together with my brother, and um, we checked in. Uh, immediately went uh, to our rooms, and then I uh, I went to uh, get a, a workout at Pound for Pound Boxing Club, and just just to stay sharp and keep the weight down and be ready for Saturday night. And this is your toughest fight. I mean, you have a really
1: uh, good foe on the opposite corner. Uh, what can you tell us about uh, your opponent?
2: Well, yeah, um, I do believe this is the toughest fight I've had as a pro so far. Um, Sonia Osorio trains in, in Mexico City with um, Nacho Buddy Stein. Uh, she's on box track. She's ten five 5 one but in, you know how it is in Some countries, they don't really register everything, so she has way more fights than that. And um, she's very experienced, but that's why I trained extremely hard for her. I know that um, sometimes she boxes, sometimes she brawls. So we're ready for whatever style she brings to the table, and um, we worked really hard to take that win home.
1: I know that um, when I asked you to describe your own style, you basically said that most people consider you in Mexico a boxer, but over here they consider you a problem, But you, but you're actually both. You say.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I I do whatever it is that I have to do to to win a fight. Whatever style I need, whatever adjustments I, I need to make. Uh, I think uh, my coach, husband, Andrew Soto, he's done a, a an extremely great job with me, with giving me the right tools for me to adjust from round to round or. You know, from fight to fight, to be changing different styles and keep on learning. Cause if boxing is a sport that you'll never, never stop learning. Especially now stepping into the pros, um, uh, it's it feels like it's a whole different sport. You know, so I just gotta keep on learning and um, use all the tools that my coach gives me to to win each fight. Whether it's to brawl, counter punch, box, uh, whatever it is, movement, I can. I know I can do it.
1: And this is my last question. Um, do you expect a lot of your fans to come from Arizona?
2: Yeah, well, um, a lot of uh, my friends are, are coming from Arizona, coming down to see me. They'll be arriving on Saturday morning. And um, it, that's that's great because, I I mean, this is my, the first time they're going to see me as a pro. And also I, um, I feel very blessed that I have a lot of, uh, friends here in, in Vegas and in California that are also uh, coming down. So I feel very happy that I'll actually have uh, a crowd cheering me on this time. Oh, well, I'm looking
1: forward to seeing you. I'll be there Saturday as well. But uh, anyway, oh, I'm going to turn you over. That's awesome. To... <laughs> yeah, I hope to be real quick okay. so I can get a good look. And, and I'll turn you over to a Thank you.
0: Thank you, David. Thank you. Lem, now, this fight is... No. Hello, can you hear me?
2: Yes, yes, I can hear you.
0: Oh, okay. Now, Sulem, this, so this fight is a, is a first for you in, in many ways. It's, um, it's your first fight in the United States. It's the first fight your mom and dad are going to be able to see you, and it's also your first scheduled six-rounder. So mentally, uh, is that something that you kind of get, you got to kind of like get your mind uh, around it, or are you just taking it in stride and not even thinking about it?
2: Uh, honestly i don't even think about it i mean uh if anything i'm i'm more motivated um i pushed myself extremely hard during camp and i i feel ready i feel ready i don't think the fact that it's my first time i don't think it has any pressure on me um i feel very blessed that i've boxed all around the world and um this is just another stage and this is The ring is where I go do my job, and wherever it's at, that's where I need to step up. So that's the way I see it. It it doesn't matter if it's at the Mandalay Bay or if it's in a small little town in in Mexico or in another southern country. I'm just ready to do my job. So is that
0: what gives you your confidence? You know, you mentioned that you suspect that Osorio has... More fights than is actually on her official record. Well, not even official record, but on boxrec, um, and she is more experienced than you. She's gone ten rounds various times and fought more experienced fighters than you. But what gives you your confidence is that Amer- that Mex- uh, that Olympic or amateur pedigree that, that you have.
2: Um, well, I consider myself a very, very, very smart fighter. Um, I I am very disciplined, very dedicated. And um I know how to adjust. I know that she has the experience on me on the pros but um I mean I also have a lot a lot of knowledge and, and I wanna show her that I too, um, have a lot in the pros and um I'm just gonna adjust and take it round by round. Um, it does not I'm not worried about her experience. Um um I know that she's strong and she's she she knows her way around the ring and she has her her techniques, but if I sit there and worry about her, I mean, um, it it wouldn't benefit me. So I know the job that I did is is well done, and I'm ready to perform.
0: Now, my last question, because we do want to let you go, because we know you gotta, uh, you know, you're you're busy in Las Vegas. I I follow you on social media. I see the workouts that you do. You mentioned that you worked extremely hard for this <laughs> camp. Was it more? Was it harder? Did you work out more because it was your sixth is your first six rounder or do you think you worked out harder and more because of what your opponent is bringing into the ring? I mean, she does have almost three times the amount of fights that you have as a pro. Um
2: I think it was a combination of both. I mean, I'm I'm getting ready for I'm moving up to six rounds and um she's she's very experienced, so it was it was a combination of both and I know that I needed to push myself 110% this time because um, you can't take anybody lightly. In this sport, you do get hurt, even the ones that are most well-prepared get hurt. So um, I'm just excited to step into the ring and and show that that I do deserve to be here and that I've worked really hard, show that I have skill, that I have strength, and that I, I can make it.
0: Real quickly, lastly... Has Sanford given you any indications that this is not going to be your your first and only fight in the United States? Are they planning to bring you back to the United States uh, in 2018?
2: Yeah, well, um, my promotional contract does state that I can be fighting in the U.S. and in Mexico, uh, so uh, hopefully this uh, this is only the first one out of many, and um, I'm excited just to be staying busy on both sides of the border and, um, creating a name for myself, um, bigger in Mexico and in the U S hopefully, uh, women's boxing keeps growing in the U S and it's not called women's boxing anymore. It's just boxing. That's, that's the goal. So we'll, we'll slowly be getting there.
0: There you go, folks. And and another thing that we failed to mention, we did mention it uh, on the show, but before, that it looks like this is the first time that two Mexican-born female fighters are going to be facing each other in Las Vegas. So that is another first for this fight uh, for Sulem Urbina. So how proud of you of that uh, that, uh, distinction?
2: Oh, well, it's, it's, I mean, it's it's historic. Uh, You've had a lot, there's been a lot of uh, female fights in the U.S., but none have been full-blooded Mexicans and for us to be the first one really signifies a lot um i know that we have to step in there and and actually show what we're worth and show them that we we worked really hard and show them that Mexican blood you know that Mexican blood that really distinguishes us from distinguishes us from the rest um i'm excited to be part of this and um even more so excited uh, to win on Saturday.
0: Well, there you have it. Zulema Rubina, 6-0 with one knockout facing Sonia Osorio this Saturday night on the undercard of uh, Orlando City Salido against Miguel Mickey Roman. Hopefully next time we have a little bit more time with you. We know that you are very busy out there in Las Vegas, a couple of days away from your fight. So we thank you for taking the time and being us, with, with us here on the two-minute round. Thank you Oh, thank
2: that. you guys for having me. Thank you guys for supporting us and um uh, uh hope to come back with you guys soon
0: Thank you Sulem. And say, hi to
2: your,
0: say hi to your husband Andrew for me.
2: I sure will take care guys Hope All you guys have a good have night a good
0: night good night Good luck And there you have Sulem Rubina, who this Saturday night is part of history when she is part of the first uh female fight in Las Vegas. With two Mexican-born fighters, I mean, if somebody can, uh, uh, if somebody can can uh, prove us wrong that that's not uh, that that's not true. I mean, I know Laura Serrano has fought in 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 Las Vegas, but I, it wasn't it wasn't against another Mexican-born fighter, right?
1: Uh, not not to my knowledge. I can't recall her ever fighting somebody from Mexico in Las Vegas. We could be wrong. I mean, because. Women yeah. have been fighting for a long time. Uh, at least since the late 80s, they've been fighting in uh, Las Vegas. But I can't recall of uh, two native Mexicans fighting each other in Las Vegas.
0: Well, if you can't recall it, then it probably hasn't happened. So we'll go with that.
1: <laughs> okay. Now,
0: quick, but, a quick, a, a quick rundown, David. I wanted to do while you were interviewing uh, Sulem. I kind of went over and did a little bit of research. And I just wanted to go and touch on what we were talking about, the WBO uh, lack of rankings and how busy their fighters stay um, without having to um, defend their title because there is no mandatory challenger because we don't know uh, who the mandatory challenger is, right? So what would you say would be a, a – what, what's the word I'm looking for? A – a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? An acceptable unacceptable time between defenses for a female fighter. Obviously, like we've mentioned on this show, various times are not the same, and we were just talking about it with Alejandra Jimenez, or how hard it is to get an opponent to do some world title fights. But what would you say would be an acceptable time frame for a defense? Maybe six to eight months, maybe between title defenses. Once a year. Once I a year.
1: Depends. I say a year, especially for American fighters, because mm-hmm. there are no promoters that back women, uh, and it's very, very hard to get a fight. I mean, yes. they could be the champion. It's not that they're unwilling to fight. It's nobody wants to put up the money for them to to, to defend their titles in a, in the U.S. Now, other countries, not so much. Like Mexico, no problem. Japan, no problem. But in the U.S., it's very hard. That's why you have somebody like Melissa McMorrow having to vacate
0: the title so many times. Yeah, twice. She had to do that twice. Well, the the uh, Adamweight champion... Well, the Adamweight champion for the WBO, her name is Naoyo, Na, Nao, Nao Ikeyama, 48 years old. Okay, she's still fighting. Yeah. She, her last fight was on July 11th, which was a split draw of 2017. But I, I can't even find... Uh, when she won the title, it says it says that she's a WBO champion. But I'm looking at her box rec, and I don't even see when she actually won the title. The only title that I see her fighting for was a WBC female, adam weight back in May, uh, of 2009, and she lost that. So I don't even know how she is ranked as a WBO because according to box rec, it doesn't show when she won the WBO title. So. Uh, we're going to strike that from the record, but we we go up to the to the 105 pound title, the strawweight title for the WBO. Their champion is Kayoko Ibata, and she won the title in May of 2017. It was a vacant title. Here we are in December. She has not defended it, David. She's not in the U.S. So when is the WBO going to send her a letter and say, "Hey, you got to defend that title"? You know, uh, it's been seven months almost. So we'll see what happens there with Tayoko Ibata. Now, the, 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 the junior flyweight is Naoko Fuyoka, who just won it two days ago. So she gets a pass. And then the one that we spoke about and kind of started this conversation, the flyweight champion, Monterra Alarcón, she won it back in, um, what did we say, uh, May or April? Uh, let me check real quick. And then and she had defended it. She won title fight. But has not defended her title, so uh, let's see when uh, when um, when she gets the letter that to defend she won it back in April 29th against Nana Yoshikawa, and actually Yoshikawa won the vacant title because her fight her she she won the vacant title because the champion before uh, uh, Yoshikawa was, uh, I forgot her name, she was from Australia, but she's kind of like half Australian, half uh, Asian, I think her last name is Lawton, L-A-W-T-O-N, have you, do you you know who I'm talking about, David? And she actually, she got stripped because she didn't defend, and then that's when, uh, that's when um, uh, Yakanawa ended up fighting for the Joshikawa, I'm sorry. Yoshikawa ended up fighting a Korean by the name of Yoon Hee Lee for the vacant title. Uh, Yoshikawa won the majority decision and then Montserrat Alarcon beat her back on April 29th. Here we are in December and Alarcon has not defended the title just yet. She just fought in a non-title affair. So let's see when WBO sends her a letter. The 115 pound title is vacant. The Bantamweight title, um, uh, actually, uh, Daniela Romina Bermudez, who we know, who we know as the only the conqueror, of Mariana Juarez at bantamweight. In Mariana Juarez's first fight at in the weight class, she just won the title about a month and a half ago. So she gets a pass because it's only been a month and a half. But then uh, <laughs> the WBO. Field... No, she's at Bannerweight. She I, she... I think did she just it.
1: recently fought at super bantamweight.
0: Let me check. Give me one second. Let me see that. Because uh, I remember her just fighting, but I think it was that title, for that title. Yeah, I think for, she um, just recently
1: uh, moved up to 122.
0: No, 122. she her last yeah. fight was her last fight was for the vacant WBO world uh, uh, bantamweight title in on on October 20th, and she beat Soledad del Valle Frias for it. So she has not fought since. So she oh, is she okay. for that title. Uh, so then the the 122 pound champion is Amanda Serrano who last defended in July 21st, which has been five months. Okay, we could give her a pass. She is in the United States. And as we all know, she's been on this show. She's probably not going to fight. She's not going to come back to boxing. Title has to go vacant sometime soon. Now, her sister, Cindy Serrano, who is the WBO featherweight champion, she last defended it on May 13th. She fought on October 14th, but got a Mm non-title fight where she won a split decision, and they ran her against Elina Kiss. so she has not been ordered to defend the WBO featherweight title by the WBO. Now, the, uh, let me see there. So then we, we're at 126. The 130-pound champion is Raúl Mona who last defended it in July. So hopefully she's in Germany, uh, 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 one of the powerhouse female fight countries. So we would expect for her to defend that title soon, and then we have uh, in the in the lightweight division the champion is Joanna Belen Alfonso. She has not defended the title in almost a year. Actually, actually in a couple of days it's going to be a full year. Her last fight and her last defense was December tenth, two thousand sixteen, and she's from Argentina, David. And there's no other country in the world that puts on more female (laughs) fights and has more female and more female champions than Argentina. So,
1: yeah, I agree.
0: (laughs) There is not not mandating anything uh, as far as the Argentinian lightweight champion. Um, The the super lightweight. They can't
1: ask ask for extensions.
0: They can, but it's been a year. I mean,. I mean, I I, okay. So let's say she's been she's hurt or she got pregnant or something to that effect. Then they would have an interim champion. They have an interim champion in other weight classes. So I would believe that they would look to have an interim champion. They haven't done that now at 140 pounds. The IBF and WBO champion is Ana Laura Esteche, and she was supposed to fight, wasn't she? Amanda Serrano. Amanda Serrano, and she was supposed to defend against Amanda Serrano. It didn't happen. And she has not defended her title since June of 2017. Another Argentinian where there's no lack of Argentinian fights or a female fight. So there's no reason why she shouldn't be defending that title more often. And then we have um, at 147 Cecilia Breakhouse. She just defended it not too long ago. And then the WBO 154 champion is Ana Gabriel who defended it not too long ago. And then the middleweight champion is Christina Hammer who also defended it not too uh, long ago. So there you have it. So the WBO, like just a quick rundown of why people complain about the WBO, people that follow female fighting and female boxing, why they complain about the WBO, because they don't have rankings and they don't really push their fighters to do any defenses. So moving on to female fight chatter, uh, fighter Lisa Garland, who we last spoke about and heard about when she fought a couple months ago against Bay Area fighter, from California, Rachel Miller, she was knocked out in the first round. She shared on her Facebook page maybe about a week ago that she had been tapped to be the opponent for the WBC and WBO middleweight champion Christina Hammer's U.S. debut scheduled for January in Verona, New York. Christina Hammer, as you all know, is going to be fighting on the same card as Clarissa Shields. What day is that, David? Do you remember it's January? Uh, January the 12th, I think is Yes, January twelfth. I believe that Christina Hammer's fight is not going to be televised, but she's going to be on the undercard. And Lisa Garland, oh. who was just stopped in the first round by another—I don't even think—I don't think that fight was at middleweight. I think that fight was like a super welterweight. She posted on her Facebook page that she is she got tapped to be the next opponent for Christina Hammer, but it was hundred and fifty-seven pounds. Um, but who knows? She, she hasn't posted anything since. I haven't seen anything since we haven't gotten any official word, but we'll see if that fight actually materializes. I don't think it's gonna be. I don't think it is gonna be. I don't think you know, it's gonna be 60 days after her knockout loss, which her suspension will probably be lifted. But I don't know. Sure. I don't know if
1: that's the fight.
0: Yeah, I don't know if that's the fight sure. they're gonna go to. I mean, this is the world champion. Yes. And a a four rounder, a four, a four and zero fighter, Raquel Miller stopped her in the first round, and it wasn't a middleweight. What would Christina Hammer do to her? Yeah,
1: exactly. Now uh, to touch on what, uh, excuse me,
0: <clears throat> to touch on what you said earlier at the beginning of the show, David, about Mariana Juarez is really looking forward to fighting Jackie Nava. Jackie Nava has mentioned it a couple of times, every chance she has gotten that that is the fight that she's going to be looking for in her return. Now, as you all know, we have mentioned on the show before, Jackie Nava is a is a congresswoman in Mexico, so she's very busy, and that is what stopped a possible fight between her and Mariana Juarez in happening in the fall of 2017. It it wasn't gelling with her schedule with Congress, but she's saying that she is going to have a vacation uh, somewhat next year, and she's going to be able to put that on. I follow her on social media as well. She's always working out. She's always running. And just about a week ago, doing a press conference to announce she will be running in, in Baja California, which is her home state, Governor's Marathon in support of children left orphaned by Mexico City's earthquake of some months ago. She also announced she would definitely be back next year and is looking to face Mariana Juarez for the WBC Bantamweight title. So just to explain what she's doing, she's actually uh, gathering sponsors for every kilometer or every mile or however you want to put it, that she's going to be running in this marathon. And then all the money that she uh, raises she's going to donate it to about 40 or 50 young children who were left orphaned by the Mexico City earthquake of some months ago. So it's a very good cause. But she is looking to face Mariana Juarez for the WBC Bantamweight title. She has been a Bantamweight – she was a, a, a Bantamweight title uh, champion before. I think that is the first title that she ever – no, that wasn't the first title she ever won because – or was it? Let me check because I know that I think she's won a bantamweight title before. I think it might have been the IBF, but I might be wrong. Uh, it's still thinking. pretty hard to
1: go all the way down to one eighteen after being at one twenty two for Yeah, she's
0: been fighting at. She's, no, I'm I'm wrong. She's been fighting at at, at one twenty two for the majority, if not all her. Uh, actually, um, back in two thousand five, when she won the inaugural. WBC female title. It was a super. It was considered a super bantamweight title. But as far as box record is mm-hmm. concerned, they both weighed in at 118 pounds.
1: Oh, okay. So it was and then in
0: her in her first in her first, in her first But i are talking about 12 years ago. Her first defense yeah. also at 118 pounds. And then after that, when she fought Kelsey Jeffries and defended the title back in 2007, uh, 2006, 117 and a quarter. Her next fight, 118 and three quarters. So for some reason, they were fighting at 118, but it was the super bantamweight title. And then after oh. that, she basically just stayed at 122. I was, she actually That's has gone down and fought. Back in 2011, six years ago, she did go down and fight at 118 when she fought Ana Maria Torres the second time and, and it was oh, okay. a catchweight at 118, and she lost that fight. It was for the diamond female bantamweight title, but she ended up losing it, losing that fight. So she has been totally. going up and down. there, But obviously, that was before she had two children and before Dude. you know she had all this time. Obviously, she her she's 37 years old, David. So yeah.
1: one
0: thing, one thing you can't deny of Jackie Nava is hard, hard, how hard she works and how she how how good she trains. I I've been in the gym with her. I've watched her train, and I've never seen a. A, a fighter trained harder, male or female, than Jackie Nava. So to me, it's not a question of her working hard enough to get down to 118. It's just a question of her body's going to allow her to do it.
1: That's it. That's the question right there.
0: Now, David, before we move on to upcoming calendar, I saw a rumor, and I didn't get a chance to read the, 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 the report, and maybe you know a little bit more about it, But what was this talk about maybe, maybe Holly Holm coming back to boxing, and then she actually came out and uh, denied those rumors? Do you know more about that than I do?
1: Uh, No, I know nothing about it.
0: Hmm. Okay, so maybe uh, for the next show, we'll talk about that because I kind of got to look into it. But I did see something very quick in passing that, that Holly Holm had to come out and deny rumors that she was coming back to boxing. Now... What, without getting into MMA Because that's not something we cover But it does have something to do with boxing Chris Cyborg I believe is scheduled to face Holly Holm Somewhat soon Do you know the date on that fight David? Uh,
1: it's at the end of the month This month I think it's the 30th okay. or something like that
0: yeah. Okay so it's good So there's a big MMA fight Holly Holm facing Chris Cyborg uh, Is it Chris Cyborg or just Cyborg? Uh, you can call
1: it Chris He's- Cyborg. Okay. I Cyborg.
0: So I guess Cyborg has been You know she's good friends with uh, Kalisha Shields they've sparred each other In the past and then um, mm-hmm. I guess she was sparring Mia St. John and getting ready For Holly home and then I think That mm-hmm. they, I think she sparred Cecilia Breakhouse not too long ago too A couple of days ago right? I don't know if she sparred her but they were in the same Gym Oh uh, yeah but, uh, why would they spar if that's what, if That's the fight that Cecilia Breakhouse Is looking for
1: Exactly, exactly. In fact, uh, our reporters uh, caught up to Cecilia today and she spoke to them. And basically, she says they're negotiating uh, for Layla McCarter uh, to fight to defend that IVF title because she's, she's ranked number one. And mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. They're, work, they're, work, they're, they're negotiating on that right now with Showtime and the IBF, and trying to find no. a, you know, a, a venue. And, uh, but it's not the final answer. They're still negotiating. And she has that fight, either Layla or Cyborg, who's another one she's thinking about because there's a lot of money involved. And then she said the third option is either Clarissa Shields or Christina Hammer, whoever wins between them. So that looks to be like a year away, but those are the three options she says she has. The winner between Christina Hammer,
0: yeah,
1: and Clarissa. So Scholes. that is.
0: So she's saying that her next fight might be against. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So the next, no, 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 I don't understand. Her next fight would be the winner of. of are they negotiating her next fight, or are they just putting together a plan? Well, well, they're
1: basically they're doing both. They're. The plan is that they're going to fight these three girls. Now, they want to fight those three. That's for the future. But they're trying to settle the thing with Layla McCarter first because she's she's, uh, number one. And if she Mm -hmm. doesn't fight Layla McCarter, then she has to give up that belt. But then Mm -hmm. she's thinking about moving up anyway. She's moving up in weight, so what's the reason, you know? The only reason she's fighting Layla McCarter Aside from defending that battle is that you know, she is considered one of the top fighters and in my case I think Layla's the better fighter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But we'll see. We'll see.
0: Now let's 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 just imagine give me one second, why did I do that? that Layla McCar- that Cecila Breakhouse decides to move up in weight. Let's say she says, You know what, I'm done with the welterweight. I've done that I can, obviously not facing uh, uh, not facing Layla Le- McCarthy will be one of them uh, you know, obviously everybody would be uh, saying that she ducked her, but I'm sure Layla McCarthy, if they told her I'll give you a fight at 154 pounds she would take it but yeah. let's say she moved up to super welterweight and she this is the fight that she would have to defeat to become the undisputed super welterweight champion. Uh, Hannah Gabriel, who is a WBA and WBO uh, super welterweight champion, which I don't believe mm-hmm. it will be it would be hard to get Anna Gabriel to travel to Norway to face uh, Cecilia Breakhouse wife because I believe they're going to offer her uh, a relatively good purse to what a fighter can make in Costa Rica. Now, we all know that Anna Gabriel is a big name in Costa Rica, but I'm sure that... Mm-hmm. We, what they can offer her in in Norway with Cecilia Breakhouse being a big name with TV deals and everything in in Norway and Germany, that I'm sure they could beat any person. Anna Gabriel is winning right now in Costa Rica. Would you agree? uh,
1: Yes, but I think uh, one other point that I didn't mention is that she wants to fight in the U.S. Uh, Cecilia Breakhouse wants to fight in the U.S., so that's Hmm. the goal. She says next year is for fighting in the U.S.,
0: so she's going to be uh, taking a
1: huge pay cut Not necessarily. Not necessarily.
0: Well, it, let, let's, let's... It depends
1: let's, let's on how
0: much it. she makes in Norway. She's got to be making a good, a good amount of money. I mean, she's filling out 15,000-seat stadiums out there. You know? I mean, let's say, okay, Clarissa Shields, it's public domain, it's public knowledge that she made $50,000 for her pro debut. Okay. Is she hmm. making that much in these other fights? I don't know. She's making I mean, more. Can she, she's making more. She's making more she's than making... fifty thousand dollars in non oh, yeah. fight? televised fights? Non televised fights?
1: No, Clarissa Shields is making more. She made more in her but last fight.
0: In the non televised fight in, in,
1: in, in a in a in a in a the uh fight, room?
0: she made more. In a ballroom at the M well then then, at the MG that was televised, the Nikki Allen fight, but against Celine LeBlanc at the Masonic Temple, she's making well, more.
1: That
0: a, That's what I'm saying. The
1: last fight was the last fight was more than a hundred
0: thousand against Nikki Allen. So, is, it, and you think she would be getting that amount or more against Tori Nelson? Uh,
1: yeah, probably, probably.
0: So, so you think that Cecilia Breakhouse? You think she makes that amount or more in Norway? I think she makes more. I but
1: I I don't know. I really don't know how much she makes. That's a good question. That's a good
0: question. Yeah, that's something, that's I mean, something that maybe we could get off the record and then just know that it's more or less without actually giving out the, the, the amount. And I know that you know who you could call and get that amount. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. actually, I'm going to be heading to Vegas on Saturday, and I want to ask Cecilia
0: person to person. Oh, there you go. I can't wait for that interview. Uh, (laughs) So there you go. And then, uh, okay, so Anna Gabriel, I'm sure, well, then you can bring her in the United States, no problem, and offer a pretty good penny, and Cecilia Breakhouse have that fight. In Poland, the WBC champion is Ewa Piatkowska, and I'm sure they can make that fight, no problem. And then the IBF champion is Chris Nemus from Uruguay. So I'm sure that if Cecilia Breakhouse wanted to move up to 154 pounds and do what she has done at welterweight and unify the division. I'm sure that it wouldn't take her more than a year and a half to put that together. So I see how that can happen. And then obviously making some names against Clarissa Shields and, and, and the winner, Clarissa Shields and Christina Hammer. Yeah, she did specify
1: that her next fight would be no later than about May. That's what she said. Cecilia did. Of course, wow. we know that uh, Layla's supposedly <laughs> fighting on December 22nd in Mexico. Uh, but yeah. if they come to if they come to a deal with Cecilia Breakers, I've been told that they'll cancel that fight if they come to a deal. But if they don't, then they're gonna fight in Mexico on December 22nd.
0: So Cecilia Breakers is taking a break until May, May for her next fight. Her last fight was. October 21st. So that would be about seven months in between fights, which is kind of rare for her because she usually goes about four or five months between fights. So yeah, that's
1: hopefully, she fights on record.
0: Hmm. hopefully she fights before that because that's kind of uncommon for her to go so long in between fights. So before we say goodbye here at the two minute round, the hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world. Um, we want to give you the upcoming calendar. Like we mentioned at the top of the show, our next, Our next podcast is December 21st, which will be the last show of the year, which we will be giving our awards for, you know, Fight of the Year and Fighter of the Year and so on and so forth. But uh, before we do that, let's move on and give you the upcoming calendar, which is, is not as extensive as the fight results that we gave you. But there is still some fights coming up. December 8th from Buenos Aires, Argentina, Karen Elizabeth Carvajal will be facing... Cynthia Gisela Castillo in a 10-rounder for the vacant Argentinian super uh, super uh, uh, featherweight title. The only reason we mention this fight is because Karen Elizabeth Carvajal could be very close to, the, to challenging for a world title soon. And Saturday night with our guest from the Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas in Nevada, Sulem Urbina will be taking on her toughest test to date and Sonia Osorio in a six-rounder at Flyweight. I've actually seen Osorio fight it live. I saw her when she challenged um, Isabel Millan, who at that time was a WBF Flyweight champion, and she challenged for that title. It was a tough fight. I mean, she's tough. Throws punches, uh, big overhand rights, goes in with her head. Um, Estrella Millan, we've seen from her that she's experienced that she's as tough as well when she went to Japan, and fought with all heart against Naoko Fuyoka before getting stopped in the 10th round. So if Urbina is not ready for it, 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 it might be a long night. I mean, I, like I mentioned during our interview and speaking to Sulem, she she works very hard. I, I follow her. She posts a lot of her uh, uh, workouts and stuff like that, and she does a lot of workouts. But it's one thing being ready physically and with condition, and it's, it's another thing to be ready for Mentally and also physically for that type of fight, a pro- fighter that's just going to come at you and throw punches and and throw and going with her head and just a big physical fight. And that's I think what Sulema Rina is in for. And David, you're going to be ringside, and hopefully, uh, you know, it's a great fight. And you give us uh, your take on our next show.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Now uh, also on the same night on the competing uh, fight card from the theater in Madison square garden, New York on top rank. And this fight you should be able to catch on the ESPN uh, three app or watch ESPN. You just got to look for it, but I'm sure they are going to be showing it there because ESP, uh, top ranking ESPN pretty much shows everything one way or the other. Micaela Mayer, one of our past guests, 135 pounder will be facing Nidia Feliciano in a four rounder at 135 pounds. So we're looking forward to that. Also on December 13th from London in the UK, Matchroom Boxing gives us her first defense of her WBA 135 pound title, Katie Taylor facing Jessica McCaskill. David, you mentioned that this fight is a tough fight for Katie Taylor that's gonna prove what she's made of. You think this is a tougher fight or or a tougher opponent than the fighter that she beat for the world title?
1: I think it's a different style, and uh, it's not somebody who's slow. Jessica McCaskill is not slow, not like the Argentine girl, and this is going to be a little different. Katie, of course, has that international experience, but McCaskill is a pretty tough fighter. She's got speed and power, and uh, she's uh, half Mexican, too, so watch out.
0: There you go. Uh, So Jessica McCaskill, who – I mean – Kenny Taylor, her record is seven and zero with four knockouts. But like David mentioned, her amateur pedigree is, is unbelievable, and she's a gold medalist, and, and she fought everybody and anybody in the amateurs. Whereas Jessica McCatskill, five and one with three knockouts, and her lone loss came against Katonia Fisher, who was a pro debuter at the time of their fight. It was a very close fight. It was a split decision, four rounder, with scores being 38-37 twice for Fisher. And thirty eight thirty seven for McCaskill, so she basically lost by one point. Uh, other than that, she hasn't really faced any other name, and now she's going to be challenging for a world title against, you know, one who may who may be considered one of the best fighters in the world. Now, do you know if McCaskill, she's thirty three years old, David? Does she have a long amateur career? Or does she have uh, somewhat she, of a? She had. A, 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 go ahead.
1: She had about 30 amateur fights, which is, you know, a pretty fair amount. And yeah. uh, so she does have amateur experience.
0: Okay. And she trained in Chicago. Yeah.
1: And but she's then, and an, then, a, an a, athlete. And she's a – I think she was – she played college sports, I think it was. So, so she's an athlete.
0: Much well, like Katie Taylor well,
1: was a soccer player before boxing.
0: Yeah. Who, who's Mexican, the mom or the dad? Uh, the dad. Mm, okay. So that, 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 that says something there as well. December 16th, from Quebec, Canada, Golden Boy promotion on Showtime. The main event for that fight is going to be Billy Joe Saunders defending his WBO title against former IBF middleweight champion David Lemieux. But on the other card, being um, uh, promoted Actually, they actually just, wow, they just posted her, uh, her opponent. Because when I wrote the, the, the notes here, they did not have an opponent for her yet. But now they do. 2-0, oh, one-knockout English woman, Nicola Adams, will be fighting on the undercard. 35 years old, David, fighting on the undercard of uh, that Billy Joe Saunders against David Lemieux fight. And she's going to be fighting Soledad Macedo of Uruguay. Uh, 15 wins, 13 losses, one draw, four knockouts. So that is her opponent. Um, very, very, uh, very, very uh, uh, experienced opponent for uh, Nicola Adams, David. So we, we've we got a little bit of a fight there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was wondering if uh, whatever happened to um, Marlon Esparza, if she's... Uh... Still slated to fight um, next week sometime. Well, I know they were looking for something.
0: Well, nothing's been scheduled for her. Just actually, uh, yeah, she's scheduled. She's scheduled for um, December 14th. December 14th is is that that's uh, next Thursday at the Fantasy Springs Casino, six rounder, David against Carla Valenzuela. Three so wins. Yeah, three wins, sixteen losses, three draws, uh, David. And they're gonna be fighting next uh, next week in a sixth rounder at the Fantasy Springs Casino. Are you planning on going to that fight? Yeah,
1: I'll be there.
0: So there you go. So next week on our next show on December twenty first, we're gonna have the ringside report from David Avila, who's gonna talk to us about Sulem Urbina's fight against Sonia Osorio and uh Carla I mean Marlene Esparza's fight against Carla Valenzuela on uh, next week on uh, December the fourteenth. Now quick note, Marlene Esparza and Sulemorbina faced each other in the amateurs uh, a couple of times and I believe Esparza won every one of those fights. So just a little tidbit there. And and I spoke to Sulem Urbina about it and she admitted that she lost that Esparza is a really good a really good fighter. Yeah,
1: it's a different style when you have smaller gloves.
0: Oh, no, yeah. I no, that's saying But <laughs> they're, going, they're, going, they're each going in their, their own direction, and maybe sometime mm-hmm. in the near future, when it means something, they get to face each other, and then that's when we'll be ringside. December 17th, lastly in our fight, in our fight preview from Fukuoka, Japan, Juko Kuroki will be facing Momo Koseki for uh, defending her WBC 105-pound title in the 10-rounder. That is in Japan, and that brings us to the end of our fight preview. This has been the 37th edition of the two-minute round, your hooks and jabs look at the female fight world. Our next our fi- uh, next show is going to be December 21st, where David Avelin is going to be giving us his ringside report of the fights that we mentioned. Also, we'll be going over these fights that are going to be happening in the next couple weeks, and then we should be giving our awards of the end-of-the-year awards for 2017. David, anything else?
1: I'm going to try on Facebook the... A Sulem fight um live uh unless they kick me out and ah. then, uh, if anybody also not to forget to watch michaela mayer fight on our ESPN app that that'll probably come out about i'd say between two pm and maybe one p m and two p m on saturday and yeah because they start early in the east coast
0: what time does that fight card start david do you do you know the one in uh, the the top rank one
1: uh, that's gonna start at six, and I think. It's no, but the o'clock. the the, the mayor? Yeah, no,
0: the, the the whole fight card. What time do it start? Do you know?
1: I would say it starts about. Uh, probably that's a good question. I, I really don't know. Maybe about four.
0: Four East Coast four. time, so that would make it one o'clock uh, West Coast. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Okay. Unless they started late, I have to double-check.
0: Okay, so if you guys – anywhere between noon and 2 p.m., you guys should go on the ESPN app and, and look for that Michaela Mayer fight because that's probably when it's going to be on West Coast time and then East Coast time probably between 2 and 4 o'clock uh, East and Coast time. So, go ahead.
1: And it's a good opponent. She's fighting Nidia Feliciano, who's, who actually fought to a draw against the current IBF champion, <laughs> Jennifer. Rahman.
0: There you go, folks. So that's all we have for the two minute round. Your hooks and jets look at the female boxing world in number 37. So, with that, we bid you goodnight. good night. Good night.